RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, of course, coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. And as we were going on the air last week, uh, we were discussing the Steve Stevens case. And just as we were going on the air, news had broke that uh, Steve Stevens had killed himself. And just to remind you who Steve Stevens was, he's the individual up in Cleveland who face, uh, Facebook Live, him killing a 74-year-old uh, Robert Godwin uh, just for no apparent reason other than uh, this uh, ex-girlfriend or girlfriend, baby's mama, whoever she was, Joy Lane, had broken up with him. Uh, so uh, to fast forward a little bit, uh, the following uh, Tuesday after Easter, a McDonald's worker had uh, observed the car at the drive-thru. Mr. Stevens had ordered some chicken nuggets and some fries. The drive-thru driver, with quick thinking, said he had to wait for some fries. Uh, while he was waiting for police to arrive, Mr. Stevens fled the scene, led police on a brief pursuit, and then, of course, uh, killed himself. And, you know, part of the show last week when we were going on the air, I had uh, some experts on. I had Fonda Bryant, mental health expert. I also had Dominique Izzo, a former police officer up in Illinois. And our consensus was unanimous that the outcome of this case was going to be exactly how it was Mr. Stevens either committing suicide or having the police do it known as suicide by cop. Of course anytime something like this ends this way it leaves more questions than answers especially uh, for investigators and more importantly for the family of the victim uh, the 74 year old Robert Goodwin Godwin I'm sorry and remember that Steve Stevens had claimed that he had killed 14 or 13 other people and those are some unanswered questions that investigators have to weed through to figure out if that story is legitimate or not and one thing that's interesting when uh, police finally caught up with him and he later killed himself the two cell phones that he had uh, presumably one that filmed the video and the other that he was talking to people on in the video were not found in the car, so that means investigators have really no clue of his movements, who he may have called, what he may have said to those people as it stands right now. So although he's uh, dead and, and gone, Mr. Stevens, there's still a lot of work investigators need to do to make sure everything is wrapped up and to provide answers to the Godwin family. At any rate, a uh, tragic case a lot of answers still uh, out there, a lot of questions. I'm sure the family is still grieving and they deserve the answers to know exactly why their loved one died. Now, I, I want to switch gears here because, uh, you know, I, I travel a lot. I'm actually heading out of town this Friday, taking my son to the Bahamas. Of course, I'm flying uh, Delta Airlines. Uh, you remember a few weeks ago, uh, United Airlines had a little incident of them dragging the guy off the plane. I was actually on a United Airlines flight uh, 
coming back from LA the day before this happened in Chicago. And the latest, uh, I guess, American Airlines is in the news now for a worker removing a stroller, an American Airlines flight attendant removing a stroller and then getting in some kind of scuffle with uh, one of the passengers. And of course, it was taped on cell phone video. Now, there was a passenger in first class, a male, who uh, at some point decided to get aggressive with the flight attendant and said, hey, if you did that to me, I would knock you out. And I hope you're vi being videotaped, you know, all of this other stuff. Now, these, these latest videos on, on airplanes, you know, I'm gonna liken it to police body cam or police dash cam, or, or should I say, civilian cell phone footage of police. We always see the moment of escalation, right? We never see what led to the escalation. We never see the 10 minutes before things got heated, before this guy jumped out of his seat. And, you know, I, I say that to say this. I always say during these videos, compliance will get you a long way. Yeah, granted, we're passengers on an airplane. Granted, we feel entitled because we're the customer. But airlines have rules for certain reasons, right? There was a reason that American Airlines would not let the stroller on the plane. A, likely because it won't fit in the overhead, and B, you can't put the baby in the stroller while you're in the plane flying in the air. You just can't do it. You can't have the stroller out in the aisle. So the lady, granted she's a mother, she's a toddler. We've all been there if we have kids. The lady was wrong for not following airline policy. The individual that threatened the flight attendant was wrong for even being involved in it. Had nothing to do with him. Was the flight attendant wrong for how he reacted? Yeah, absolutely. Could he have handled it better? Yeah, absolutely. But just like the guy who refused to get off the United Airlines flight, I mean, there's rules in place for a reason. There's compliance that could have easily made sure that guy didn't get hurt, made sure he got compensated for the flight. Just like this, this mother who American gave a first class flight to, she could have just followed the rules and the whole thing would have been simple. I mean, at what point do people just take accountability for themselves? I mean, we all get frustrated with travel. We all get frustrated with how long it takes to board a plane, how long it takes to get off a plane. But there's rules in place for a reason. Just like on the street, there's laws in place for a reason. If an officer tells you to show your hands, you show your hands. If a flight attendant says you can't bring the stroller on because it's against policy, you can't bring the stroller on the airlines. I guess next we're gonna start seeing shirts that say passengers' lives matter. Just like black lives matter, we're gonna start seeing shirts that says passengers' lives matter because everyone is gonna take this and now they're gonna find any reason to put a flight attendant on video, put an airline on video because they're not happy with something they know they can't do, but they're gonna escalate it just because. Why can't people just do what they're supposed to do? Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just do what we're told? Can't we all just follow the rules? Life would be so much simpler. Enough about that, I wanna switch gears. Uh, back over to Cleveland, but not about the uh, Steve Stevenson case. I want to talk about the Tamir Rice case, and I know we've talked about this on the show, but just today, uh, 
Cleveland police released uh, some uh, video and audio of the officer's interview just days after the shooting. And I want to play some of those sound bites. I think those are important to hear. And I want to play uh, just a quick sound bite from the, the partner, the FTO, the field training officer, the individual that was driving the car, Officer Garnback. I want to play this here and then I want to talk about it for just a second. Parody's on the run. As I get closer and closer, the kid stops and turns and faces us. At this time, I can hear patrolman Lowman yelling, show me your hands, show me your hands, show me your hands. I can see through here the kid reaching, pulling. I've said on the show many, many times that contrary to what you see in, in TV and in movies, police don't wake up wanting to shoot someone. They don't shoot someone and go home and eat a hamburger and a pizza and laugh and joke about it. If you don't take my word for it, listen to that officer crying, saying he didn't know it was a kid. Those were real emotions. Those weren't emotions just because there was a camera on he was being interviewed. Those were real emotions from this officer. That society labeled as a racist white officer, but yet you can hear the compassion in his voice, in his heart, for Tamir Rice. He said he didn't know he was a kid. He even went further and said, I could see him still reaching. I could see him still reaching. Now, if he was this big racist white officer that had no compassion for black people, and Tamir Rice was still reaching, wouldn't you say he would have just shot him again and continued shooting and said he was reaching and just another dead black kid in the streets of Cleveland? If he was this racist white officer that society made him out to be? Um, I can see that it's not looking good. I'm applying pressure. He, he has, we gotta roll him. You know, we roll him, we check him for exit wounds. There's no exit wounds. Um, we roll him back. He's asking, the FBI agent's asking if we have any blankets, any pads, anything in our car. 
I tell them, no, we don't. We have nothing. I get on radio, I tell them, speed it up, speed it up. Uh, and they don't. I mean, they don't. Some don't say nothing's going on. Can you imagine this? Just listen to that, that man's voice. Can you imagine a little kid dying in your arms? Bloody, with a bullet hole in him? I can because it happened to me. I didn't shoot the kid, but I was the first officer on the scene at 3rd and Barry in Nashville when he was shot. So I can understand this officer's emotions. But what I can't understand is why everyone labeled this officer as a white racist officer. I didn't sense any racism in that. I didn't hear him say that little black kid or the N-word kid that I had just shot. I just heard him crying out because there was a kid in his arms dying. But you see how the media and society will twist things and not know the full story based on a 30 second video? And uh, you know, also we were taught in the academy, you know, it said that, you know, your cruiser is your coffin. So, you know, my, my, uh, I wanted to get out of the cruiser as fast as possible, you know, because the uh, male presenting a weapon was an immediate threat to myself and my partner. So uh, I, I reacted in such a way that I was, you know, trained, um, you know, in, in defense, firing two shots and, um, you know, rendering the suspect, uh, you know, down. And that was uh, Timothy Lawman, the uh, actual officer who shot 12-year-old Tamir Rice. And I want to point out a few things here. He said some, some key words that I've talked about on this show, uh, imminent threat, uh, because, yeah, granted Tamir was 12. Granted, uh, you heard the other officer say he didn't know he was a kid. Uh, the fact is, and, and you know, taking into account the gun was a toy gun, the officers did not know that at the time. And uh, this officer said another thing that's very important. Uh, the patrol car is the coffin, and every officer knows when you're approaching someone that could be armed. If you're in that car, you are essentially a dead man because they have the drop on you. So he said he wanted to get out of the car you know, as quickly as possible. And another key point he said is he fired two shots because that's how he's trained to do. And I've said that time and time again on the show, two shots, center mass, to eliminate the target and that's basically what this officer said he said you know I fired two shots based on my training to make the suspect go down and that's what happened here with Tamir Rice when did you go through Cleveland Heights um, I started the Cleveland Heights Police Academy July 11th of 2012 and when did you resign from them I resigned from the Independence Police Department December 5th of 2012 and why was that uh, personal reasons I resigned for. Okay. Did you know that you were uh, going to get hired by Cleveland at that time? I did not, but I was pursuing um, to go to another department. 
Um, I, shortly afterward, I was um, I, I was on lists of other police department and was can, pursuing to take tests for other police department, okay. preferably bigger police departments. Okay, here's where the case of uh, Tamir Rice becomes tragic. You heard uh, Timothy Lawman, the officer who shot Tamir Rice, say that he had resigned from his previous department fresh out of the academy. I think he was on the streets for one month. He said he resigned for personal reasons and wanted to get to a bigger department. Well, you ask any police officer, they usually don't go from department to department to department to department just because, right? So when you look at it, he, he joined this department, I believe it was Independence, Ohio, in March of 2012. By December of 2012, he resigned from that police department. Uh, based on his personnel file, and that's only about five months, based on his personnel file, his superior said he was unfit for service as a police officer. He lacked emotional stability, he lacked maturity, and there was some incident on a gun range where they said, hey, this guy needs to go. So before he can get fired, he resigned. Now when you resign, of course your certification, your police certification, is not suspended. When you're fired, if it's fired for a good reason, they will uh, terminate your, your police credentials, which basically means you can't be a police officer anywhere. So. What led to the death, really, of Tamir Rice, again, the officers were cleared because they did nothing illegal. But what led to the death is you had an emotional, unstable individual assigned a task to protect and serve the community. So I don't fault him for what he did by his actions that day, uh, because given the same circumstances, I think I probably would have reacted the same way. I do fault Cleveland Police Department for not doing a thorough background check on this individual because had they done that, I think they would have known what was in his personnel file and I think they would have gone a different route when they decided to hire this guy. I mean, at the end of the day, here's a guy that probably never should have had a gun in his possession. Uh, his last chief uh, referred to an incident at a gun range where he basically said, he had a dangerous loss of composure, and he seemed distracted and weepy during a training session. Now, if you're tasked with carrying a gun as your, your duties, the last thing you want is someone who's distracted, weepy, and loses their composure. And this is what that chief said about this individual, this officer who shot Tamir Rice. And again, I, I think it goes back to Cleveland Police Department not doing a thorough background. Uh, when I went to the academy, you best believe they found stuff out about me that I didn't even know. Unpaid parking tickets that I didn't even know about. So I don't know what back in 2014 what Cleveland Police were doing as their background investigation, but I really, really hope it has improved much because who knows, there may be another officer that shouldn't be on the streets that they decide to hire for whatever reason. Of course, I'll have the full uh, audio and video posted on my Twitter if you want to check it out, hear the perspective of uh, both officers involved in the Tamir Rice shooting death back in 2014. Go to my Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV, and you can check it out there.
just about out of time, so I want to switch it over to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm sure you remember last year the uh, shooting of a man there uh, that sparked several days of protests. Kenneth, or I'm sorry, Keith Scott, um, black male that was shot by Charlotte police who had a gun in his waistband. Uh, there was video out there that people said was altered, you know, people made claims. Again, it was one of those short videos where people didn't know the whole story. And uh, what's interesting about this, the officer was a black male, Brentley uh, Vinson, who shot and killed Mr. Scott. But, you know, Black Lives Matter protested, you know, again, there were riots all over the city of Charlotte. Uh, that officer this past week was actually cleared of any charges. Uh, the shooting review board determined that he followed procedure and the threat was there and he reacted the way he should have. And I think when this first broke out, I remember talking about it on Fox News, but I also talked about it on this show. And I said that given the circumstances and given everything that I saw in the video, the officer was justified in his actions. And I, I said it, I went on record to say I didn't see any charges generating out of this. And that was the result of it. The officer was cleared. I'll be interested to see what his family does now, what civil rights movement and the Black Lives Matter movement and all these other movements that watch that video and just say it was strictly unjustified and somehow it got turned into a racial issue when the officer was black. Be interested to see what they do, but as it stands right now, that officer uh, has been cleared in those charges. You know what's funny about the whole situation? Uh, now, if someone else would have gotten into office, i.e. Hillary Clinton, I think the story of the officer being cleared right now would have been ran through mass me uh, media and of course we would have saw more protest, more riots, it would have ran and ran and ran and saying that another officer got away with killing a black man. But since Trump is in office, if you've noticed, we haven't seen those stories that we saw for the last four or five years of every time there was someone killed by police, it ran on the mass media, it ran on the major networks, it ran in the local newspaper, it ran in the toilet, it ran on index cards, it just ran and ran and ran. But since Hillary Clinton didn't make it into office, those stories are not top news. And that was her agenda the whole time, just feeding on to this frenzy of police brutality, police brutality in the black community, racial disparity. But now, we don't see those type of stories. I find that very, very interesting. And speaking of stories you probably have not heard of, it's time for my 10-7 segment. Tonight, I want to honor Deputy Sheriff David Wade, Logan County Sheriff's Office, Oklahoma. End of watch, April 18th, 2017. Deputy Sheriff David Wade was shot and killed at approximately 8.30 a.m. as he attempted to serve an eviction notice at a residence near intersection CR 66 Midwest Boulevard. He encountered three subjects at the residence and began checking their identifications. One of the subjects opened fire on Deputy Wade, striking him multiple times. 
The man then stole Deputy Wade's patrol truck and fled the scene. He abandoned the vehicle and carjacked the citizen in a nearby town. The subject was taken into custody several hours later. Deputy Wade was able to radio for backup after he was shot. He was flown to a local hospital in Oklahoma City where he later passed due to his injuries. Deputy Wade was a U.S. Army veteran. He is survived by his wife and three children. Tonight I want to honor Deputy Wade for his service, his sacrifice to his community, not only to his community, to his country, through his service in the U.S. Army. I want to thank you for listening tonight, and I will see you next week right here at RadioInfluence.com. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dangerous conversation with Scott Ledger. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Robert Kennedy Jr., who is about two things in his world right now, uh, investigating vaccines and schedules and also energy and alternative energy, five fucking years ago was looking into why Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were pissed about Syria. Oh, yeah, by the way, Libya before them which was about the dinar, the gold-backed currency. Syria is about gas, natural gas pipelines that Qatar and Saudi Arabia want to run to Europe to challenge Russia's 90%, I'm sorry, 70% stake in the LNG, na- liquid natural gas market in Europe. Russia is, is their chief export. Syria is Russia's ally. They said, fuck you and your pipelines, Saudi Arabia and Qatar. And they said that in what, 06, 08? And now guess what? They're the bad guy. He gassed his own people. Well, guess what? In 2013, he was accused of it. Bullshit. Seymour Hersh, one of the best investigative journalists to ever walked the fucking planet, proved that was bullshit. But do you think CNN is going to tell you that? Or MSNBC? No. They got to tell that fucking party line. The military-industrial complex says, not only, it's not just about selling weapons, going to war, and Halliburton, and KBR. It's not just about that stuff. It is about the geopolitical Either resources, like Afghanistan and their trillions in minerals, or geopolitical, where they where that, that country sits on the globe in relationship to other people's plans. Syria's right on the Mediterranean. They have access to the Mediterranean, and the people that want to run pipelines through Syria want to go up through Turkey and then head over uh, westward towards Europe. So Saudi Arabia and Qatar, and of course the U.S. and the petrodollar, can also have a stake in bringing down that 70% market share that Russia has of LNG in Europe. That's what it's about. Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.